We have a group I want to bring up right now, and they're our Cornerstone's newest missionaries. In fact, they're going to be taken off in the next week or two um, to head up to the country of Portland. Um, this is... Uh, <clears throat> It's really cool because, you know, I, I mean, Chuck's been here for years, and um, every time I've talked to Chuck, who's been heading up our university ministries for the last few years, whenever I would talk to him about, man, is there ever anything else that God calls you to, he would always, he, he always brought up Portland about, he and his, he and his Barbara, he and his Barbara, he and his Barbara, <laughs> um, he and his wife, just, just how somehow they, they, they had this heart for, you know, People on the streets in Portland, like that city, you know, when we sing that song, God of the City, for some reason that city's always been in his mind. And so now they're going out and they're going to plant a church in Portland. And so I'm going to have him introduce his group to you. Yeah. Um, this is, I'm Chuck, and this is my wife, Barbara, and this is Hope and Karis. And um, we are heading this thing up. And, and uh, this is Sylvia Castro. She's going with us. And uh, do you know when you're moving yet? Oh, Memorial Day weekend, she'll be moving up. Barbara and I will be going up Tuesday to actually try to find a house. Uh, Jeff and Stacy Leatherman, many of you know them. They've been on staff, or Jeff's been on staff here for about five years. And uh, they are currently renting a house and will be moving up there in a week and a half. And uh, Nick, what, do you know when you're moving yet? About a month. He'll be moving. And uh, Ryan is married to Tasha, and they'll be moving up in July. We also have one other couple that's already up there and waiting for us to get there, and three other single girls that are up there right now looking for a place. And we have one more family that we're excited about, but uh, they might work for you, and they're not ready to tell you yet. So uh, <laughs> we uh, no, <laughs> they do have some things to work out before they go public, but they're excited, and we're excited for them, and uh, and uh, and and we're excited because the Lord's really. Even gave us, given us more connections with people up there, and there's a group of people up there that's waiting for us to get there, and I'm excited to meet with them Tuesday night. And so, uh, we're excited about being the new, newest, uh, missionaries from our church. So. So we're gonna have a time of prayer for them right now, and, uh, you guys, I, we gotta take this seriously, the prayer, because sometimes we think, okay, another Cornerstone church plan, it's gonna be great, we're gonna have another Cornerstone up in Portland. And I think sometimes we assume things because we have gifted people going, talented people going, and you guys understand, man, this is impossible to start a church, to go to the most unchurched state in the U.S., to one of the most unchurched areas where people just say there is no God. And these people are going to go up there and try to convince them that they are created by God and that that God loves them. And they're trying to convince them that that God sent his son down and became a human being for a while and died on a cross for their sins that they need forgiveness of and that their that his son rose from the grave and now will put his spirit inside of them that's pretty far-fetched i mean when you really think about it for someone who all their life has said there's no god there's no god i i don't want anything to do with him if there is and to get them to that point to where they'll commit their lives and go anywhere for the sake of Jesus Christ. No one talks someone into that. Okay, that's an act of God. And so the only thing that is going to get a person to that point is our prayers. I really believe that. 
and the power of the Holy Spirit. So would you just bow your heads right now and just personally, I want you just quietly just to pray for this team up here. Father, I just lift up the team that's already in Portland that have moved there, God, by faith, believing that you're going to start a work there and they want to be a part of it. I pray for these people on the stage with me right now that are leaving so much of what is familiar to them and what is comfortable to them because they believe you have a work for them to do in Portland. God, I just so want to see you just pour out your spirit and your grace upon these people in such an amazing way. That everyone would know it's you. God, I don't want Chuck glorified. I want you glorified. I don't want Barbara, Jeff, Stacy, anyone just lifted up. God, we want you lifted up. And that's their heart. That people would fall in love with you. Not in love with a church. Not in love with a pastor. But in love with you. In love with Jesus Christ, their Savior. And only you can make that happen. So draw people to yourself. By the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks. Okay, yeah, they're going to be out in the lobby afterwards if any of you guys want to move with them. Um. <laughs> See, I want you to know that's missions right there. They're not going overseas. But it's just this idea. See, see, when you think of missions, a lot of times we think overseas or whatever. The, the idea of missions, though, the word just means that you're on a mission. And the truth is, is wherever you are, this is a calling for all of us. Did you wake up? I'm guessing most of you did not wake up this morning with a mindset that you're on a mission today. Just a guess. You didn't wake up and think, you know what? God has something for me to do today. And God, help me accomplish your mission today. Whatever it is you want me to do, help me accomplish that. See, that's the mindset that God calls us to. And it's not so much about location. Now, there are people who say, well, I believe God called me to Simi Valley. Okay. That could be true. Man, I believe God's called me to see me, Valley. At this point in my life, I really believe I'm supposed to be here. But sometimes we can use that as a cop-out, too. And the way you can tell is this. If God called you to see me, Valley, what difference have you made in this city? And how would the city miss you if you were gone? I mean, if you really called here, if that's really what God's called you to do, then how would things be different if you weren't in this city? How would your workplace be different? How would they miss you? How would this church be different? Would we be like, oh, you know, because when some of these people leave, we're like, oh, man, that hurts us. Not that God won't replace them, but there's a sense in which they were an integral part of this church. They were an integral part of their neighborhood. They were they were bringing glory to God in their neighborhood, in their workplace, you know, in the church. And so if you're really called here, then it should make a difference. I remember being in high school when my youth pastor said to me, he goes, he goes, you got to ask yourself, if everyone in the church were just like you, what would the church look like? If everyone gave the way you gave, if everyone served the way you served and they had your commitment level, what would the church look like? 
At the time, I was like, wow, not a great church. You know? I don't know if it would survive. And we have to ask ourselves, okay, if I really am called here to see me, Valley Cornerstone Church, to live here, and that's the mission field that God has given me at this point in my life, well, then there ought to be some noticeable fruit from that. Otherwise, maybe we're just using it as a cop-out because we don't want to go anywhere else. And I'm not saying that uh, everyone needs to be a pastor and start churches because there are a lot of people who are pastors who shouldn't be pastors. And that's not what everyone's called to. Some of you, you're called to be businessmen. And you're called to make a fortune so you can help people around the world. And that's a genuine calling. In fact, you would mess up God's calling if you left and became a pastor. You know, so I'm not talking about everyone needs to go and be a missionary, you know, or a preacher or something like that. I'm just saying wherever you're at, if you're coaching, man, hopefully you're impacting your team. If you're teaching, hopefully you're impacting your class. If you're at home, hopefully you're having a serious impact on your children and growing them up to be followers of Jesus and kids that are on a mission. I love what uh, the speaker said last week, Jeff Lewis. He... um, which, by the way, I had a lot of comments, people going, yeah, he was too, too intellectual for me. Uh, he's not that intellectual, it's just that you're used to me. And I'm like, you know, I'm like the Dr. Seuss of preachers. And, uh, but it was, it was just funny because you we were like, man, he's so heady. I'm like, he wasn't. Oh, it's so funny. You guys are so used to just, I know a few three-syllable words. Uh, awesomeness. Um, <laughs> But what he was saying was so good. I hope you didn't miss it. What the guy was saying, he was talking about how when God called like Abraham and he says, you know, I'm going to bless you. He says the reason why he was going to bless him was so that he'd be a blessing to the nations. And he went through scripture and explains God doesn't just bless people just to bless people. He blesses people for his glory. He blesses these people. He blessed the nation of Israel. Why? So that he himself would be glorified. And so often in our lives, we pray for a blessing just so that we'll be blessed. Not because we're on a mission, not because it's really the goal of your life. I mean, do you even have a goal in your life? Do you even say, you know what, here's why I exist on the earth. I am on this planet right now to help as many people as I can physically help fall in love with Jesus Christ in a deeper and deeper way. That's why I exist. If I don't have that mission, then you know what, just kill me. What's the point of my existence? Just to make myself happy, have a cute little family, and then die? That, that, that's not it. There's a purpose in life. There's a mission that we have. And that's what, what Jeff was talking about last week. He, he says, you know what? Do you live with that type of purpose? Otherwise, we're praying, God, heal me. Why? Because I want to be healed. God, take away this pain. Why? Because I want the pain to be gone. God, fix my marriage. Why? Because I want a good marriage. God, get me off of drugs. Why? Because I want to get off of drugs. Period. Rather than, God, get me off of drugs. Please help me kick this habit because I want to bring glory to you. I want people to see the power that's in me that I can overcome these things and they'd be attracted to you. God, fix my marriage. Make me a better husband that really serves his wife. Change me so that as I serve my wife, even on days when she doesn't deserve it, I serve her. And then the neighbors, the neighbors will notice and go, man, that guy just serves, 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 and he's happy. And I can say, yeah, because that's what Jesus does for me. 
and somehow I can bring glory to your name. God, take this pain away from me because I want to serve you better or, or help me through the pain because I want to bring glory to you. I want to show the world a person who still has joy, who still has peace, even when there's pain. So God, give me, so there's a purpose to your life. There's a sense of mission to your life. God, get me a job. Get me a good job. Why? So that. I can bless these people around the world because that's my heart. I believe, God, you've given me an ability to make money. So just give me an absolute fortune to give away rather than having the blessing end with us. Do you live that way? Is there a sense of mission in your life? See, that's the whole point of the Holy Spirit. We did that whole series on the Holy Spirit. And you don't say, God, give me your spirit just so that I can have your spirit. It's like, God, put your spirit in me. So you'll enable me to draw people to yourself. Give me power so that when I speak to people, they'll be attracted to you and they'll bring glory to you. Give me your spirit for that reason. So that I can fulfill my mission on the earth. It's not about you. And the sooner you figure that out, the greater your life's going to be and more fulfilling it's going to be. In Galatians chapter 5, and he talks about the Holy Spirit in verse 16. I just want to read this first phrase to you. It says, so I say, live by the Spirit. Okay, I'm just going to stop right there. So I say, live by the Spirit. That word live by is literally the word walk or keep on walking. The tense of the verse means it's a habitual, you keep on walking. He says, so I say, keep on walking in the Spirit. And I love that because... The, the verb is a command, first of all, but also it's not something that's passive. Okay, it's something you do. It's something you pursue. You keep on walking. It's not a one-time act. It's a continual command. I got to keep on walking. I got to keep on living in the spirit. It's not something that's done to me. And this is so important because I've heard so many people over the years go, you know what? I prayed. I prayed and I asked the Holy Spirit to change me. I told him to get rid of this desire for drugs, and I still want them. I told him to get rid of my desire for alcohol, and he didn't take it away. I prayed fervently that God would take away my lust. I'm still addicted to pornography. It's not working. You guys, it's not something where the Holy Spirit comes into you, and, and you do nothing. And you sit there and go, God, fix this, fix that. Come on, change this. I still have these evil desires in me. Something's wrong. No, the Bible says that you are to walk. That means you pursue the Holy Spirit. It's something you have to do. You keep on walking. Keep going, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do right now, this very second? Let me walk according to your ways. See, for you to sit there and go, man, the Holy Spirit hasn't changed me. That'd be me like, it'd be like saying, you know what? I bought this treadmill at Christmas and uh, I still haven't lost any weight. <laughs> you know, it's been like three months. I haven't lost a pound. I'm going to take it back. But the whole, but, but, you see, but, but here's what I love about this verse. Look, it says, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. He says, if you walk according to the Spirit, if you, if you keep going, you won't gratify the sinful nature. So if you just keep going, the whole idea is you won't sin. You can't because the two are mutually exclusive. You don't walk in the Spirit and sin at the same time. 
For example, this just doesn't work. I mean, who does this? The whole idea is... You think I can do my whole sermon on here? I can't. Um, the whole idea... I hate how it gets stuck on your fingers and you got to wipe it on your pants. But either you're going to sit on the couch and munch on these, or you're going to run on the treadmill, right? No one's on the treadmill chomping on their Cheetos and donuts. It's not even appealing. It's one or the other. And the whole idea is, is maybe it's those times when I crave... Whoops, <laughs> I'm spitting all these orange things out. Maybe it's in those times when I'm craving my sin that i got to just run. You know, i got to jump on the treadmill. i got to do something. See, that's the idea of walking in the Spirit. There is no way if you're going right now, okay, God, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do right now this very second? And you start pursuing that. You're not going to be sinning at the same time. The only time you sin is when you get off of your mission. And you don't walk in the Spirit. And you really don't want to do what the Holy Spirit asks you to do. So you take a break from the Holy Spirit and you don't have a mission in life. You just want to gratify yourself and that's when you're going to sin. But the Bible says that you can't do both. If you walk in the Spirit, you're safe. And then you won't gratify the desires of sinful nature. See, there are people in this room, you've been stuck in your sin for so long. And you're going, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? Is the Holy Spirit not powerful enough that I can't overcome this? I'll tell you what your problem is, is you're not on a mission. All you're trying to do is get rid of sin. You're not really trying to walk according to the Spirit and go, okay, God, what is your mission for me right now, this hour? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? I tell you, a lot of the reason why marriages are screwed up is because these these couples are not on a mission. And you're just going, we just can't get along. Well, are you focusing on something? Do you believe that God has a purpose for you as a couple on this earth? Because when you have something you're both aiming for, it's amazing how much better you get along. Because suddenly you go, it's not about us getting along. You know what? There's a mission here. And we've got to show the world a godly marriage so we have an impact on the world, so we have an impact on our neighbors. Because I want this person to come to the Lord. I want this person to come to the Lord. I want this person to come to the Lord. So come on, let's live it out. Let's live it out. Let's live it out. There's a mission. And you know what? It's a lot easier to get along when it's like that. It's we forget our sense of mission and we sin because the Bible says if you were walking in the Spirit and really pursuing what the Holy Spirit wants, there's no way you'd be sinning. For the sinful nature desires what's contrary to the spirit and the spirit what's contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under law. See, there's this conflict going on with, well, I kind of in the flesh want to do this. And the spirit says, no, I want you to do this. And he says, well, if you follow the spirit, you don't have to worry about the flesh. It's mutually exclusive. But I love this last phrase. He says, if you are led by the Spirit. Now it's a different, different verb. It's, it's kind of the same idea of walking in the Spirit. But now there's the idea of leadership. And I want to think about this for a second. I want to ask you a question. Do you really want to be led? Do 
Let's, let's not even spiritualize this for, for, for a moment. Let's, let's just think about this. If you're anything like me, you like to be in charge. Okay? Anyone here like me? Okay, good, good. Some of you guys started your own businesses. Why? I don't want anyone telling you what to do. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. There, there really isn't. God made certain people leaders, and so you just go after, you pursue, you lead. That's what you do. Leaders lead. The problem comes when it comes to God, and you don't get to lead him. Okay? No one gets to lead him. But the question is, is are you willing to be led by him? That means you do what he asks you to do. And let's just, let's just put all the lies aside. And let's just be honest. And let's just admit. Because God knows our hearts anyways. Let's just admit that 99% of us in this room are scared to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'll be the first to say, yep. It scares me. Last night I prayed about it and I'm going, God... Am I really willing to just surrender and say, okay, wherever he wants me to go right now, if he wants me to get out of bed and walk across the street and talk to someone, that's how he... See, that's hard to say, okay, just lead me, because what if he leads me somewhere I don't want to go? You know? What, do you, what if he asked me to give up something I'm not ready to give up? I prayed about it again this morning. Man, it's hard. It's hard to surrender. It's hard to give up yourself and go, you know what? I trust you. I trust that if I just follow you, follow the Spirit, my life's going to be better. My eternity's going to be better. Everything's going to be better. But still, it's hard to let go. Because what if He leads me and suddenly I have to take more time away from the family? And that's truly where He leads. What if, according to his leading, if I give him control, he, I may not get to live the same place I'm living right now. I may not drive what I'm currently driving. What if he tells me? What if, according to his leading, he actually asks me to give away everything and trust him for more? What if he wants me to work in a different job? All these what if, what if, what if. I mean, isn't it scary to just surrender? Let's just face it. We... we <laughs> We sometimes pray and say, Holy Spirit, lead me. But that's not really the problem. That's really not even a prayer we need to pray. We really need to be praying, God, help me to surrender. Help me to follow. Help me to follow. Because you're leading. I know there's things you want me to do right now. I'm just having a hard time giving it up and following. Some of you know exactly what God wants you to do. It's not a matter of leading. It's just a matter of you don't really want to follow see and yet the bible is clear that's the mark of a follower he follows it's kind of weird huh it's kind of see i'm deep just like that last guy i you know follower three syllables you know i'm that that's that's the mark if you say you're a follower of jesus christ that means jesus christ is leading and you can tell the mark of a believer is that he is led by the Holy Spirit, the mark of an unbeliever is he's led by whatever he wants to do. Whatever comes natural. See, that's what the distinction is being drawn here. The person who follows the Spirit, who walks in the Spirit, who's led by the Spirit, and the person who just does what he feels like doing. 
See, and, and there's, there's some of us that are in this in-between part that I still struggle with sometimes where it's like I want the Holy Spirit to lead me, but I want Him to give me like 10 things to do and I'll pick and choose which ones I want to do, right? Don't you like to have some control? It's like I want to do a few God things and stick them in my schedule. And then I, but I want to maintain control. I don't want to just say, okay, what do you want me to do next? What do you want me to do next? Because I don't know if I'd enjoy that life or I'd like that life. I don't trust the Holy Spirit and his leadership. He goes on in the next verse. He says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. He goes, the person who just follows whatever he wants. Here's what he ends up with. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So when he says there, you know, orgies and the like, it's the whole idea of this is not an exhaustive list. He's just saying, you know, in general, if a person just follows his own desires, here's where he's going to end up. Here's where she'll end up. And it doesn't mean that you're going to do all of these things. He's just saying, you know what, this is the direction it'll lead you. He says, you can tell a person who's not walking in the Spirit, who isn't led by the Spirit, who is not a believer, because this is where they're going to start heading. Sexual immorality. The word sexual immorality, it's the word pornea, where we get the word pornography. It's... um, It's just any type of sexually illicit activity. See, if you follow the Spirit, if you're walking in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's not going to lead you into pornography. You didn't pray at that moment and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Log on to the Internet. You know, it's not... (laughs) You didn't didn't follow the Spirit, right? If you're having sex outside of marriage, messing around outside of marriage, you're not walking in the Spirit. And he goes, when you just follow your own desires, that's what's going to lead you to. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Anything that's unclean. Debauchery. Debauchery is an interesting word because it just means anything in excess. Um, anything that has a, it shows a lack of restraint or a lack of boundaries. And later this word really emphasized more in the sexual area. It's this whole idea of God's not allowed to put boundaries on what I do sexually. If my way of expressing myself, if he says it's wrong, then he's wrong. Or he's the one that's screwed up. He can't give me these boundaries. He can't say I can't live that way if he created me with these desires. It's this whole idea of there's no restraint. You're free to do whatever you feel like doing. He goes on and he uses... um, Terms like idolatry, witchcraft. We get there and people go, oh good, I didn't do that one. <laughs> but witchcraft, you've got to understand the word in the Greek for witchcraft is the word pharmakia. Where we get the, the, the word pharmaceutical. And their idea of witchcraft, they were people who would take mind-altering drugs in order to escape the realities of the physical world and hopefully get in touch with some other ethereal demons or whatever else. It's opening up your mind to these things, to, to, to take some sort of drug to get your head somewhere else. And that's where you open the doors to the demonic, pharmakia. 
witchcraft. So don't think, oh, you know, I haven't cast a spell lately or I haven't done this or that. It's this idea of having your mind altered, get you out of the reality, the physical realities of this world and get you in another world to escape witchcraft. Goes on, hatred. Those who have hatred in your heart, did the Holy Spirit lead you there? Did you really pray and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with this relationship? And he says, hater. No, you're not walking in the Spirit. You're just going, man, it, it feels good to hate sometimes, doesn't it? It just feels good to be angry in the flesh. And if you follow the flesh, you're going to end up being angry at people. You just will. There'll be hatred in your heart. It goes on discord. That's the conflict, jealousy, fits of rage. You know, when you're out of control, look, almost everyone in this room has done that. You know, at those moments when you just, oh, you just start saying whatever just comes out, whatever you just feel like saying or throwing or hitting or whatever. It's just that rage that you just explode. Why? Because you're not walking in the spirit. At that moment, you're just doing whatever you want to do here. And the Bible says, yeah, that's what unbelievers do. You just you just go down that road. Selfish ambition. Let's, let's think about that one. Selfish ambition. Think about your ambitions in life right now. Think about your ambitions, what you want to do with your life, and ask yourself, does this affect anyone other than me and my immediate family? Or is it all just about us? You know, is it just my ambitions are all for me? Well, I want to have a great family. I want to have a great home. I want to do this for my kids. And that's it. Is it selfish ambition? See, if you're going to go with what you feel like doing, you're going to think about yourself. Selfish ambition dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, I warn you that those who live like this, okay, understand that. Because some of you are looking at this list and going, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. But he says, those who live like this, it's an ongoing habitual, just like walking in the Spirit, that that's the pattern of your life, or you're walking in these things. Man, we can go through that list and yes, we've blown it. Yeah, I've done that. You know what? I did that. I did that. But is that the pattern of your life? Is that the habit of your life? Are those the things you are pursuing? If so, he says, those who live like this. Look, I didn't write this verse. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What does that mean? You're not going to heaven. There are so many verses. We just sit down and and anyone in this room who's read the Bible, even 10 pages of it. You know. That for someone to call himself a Christian. There ought to be actions. That follow. There's no way on earth. That you can call yourself a Christian and live like that. And the Bible makes it clear again in this passage. Look, if you're living like this, I don't care what you call yourself. You can call yourself a saint. Call yourself an angel. I'm just saying, if you live like this, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. You guys, and this stuff, um, this is the thing that saddens me. And this is why I do what I do. This is what got me into ministry. Because it's one thing... It's one thing to deny Jesus Christ. It's one thing to call yourself an atheist and say, you know what, I just, I don't want to have anything to do with the God thing. Okay. That's easier for me to stomach than for people who attend church and live like this and yet call themselves Christian. 
And the reason is, is because somehow we've created this thing that we call Christianity in America that really isn't Christianity. A person that made some decision or cried at one point in their life and asked God in their life, but their lives really never changed. You really see that in the Bible? Or is that just something you were fed that you can be a Christian and not really live it out? That you can be a follower who doesn't follow? It's one of those new things that we call Christian now. It's a follower that doesn't follow. Okay, so there's followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. Those are the guys that are hardcore, really want to be led by the Spirit. And then there are people that are anti-Jesus, anti-God. But then there's this middle group. And we'll call them Christians. That, you know, prayed some prayer, maybe got baptized, but their lives didn't change. But they're still Christians, even though they live like this, because they prayed the prayer. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says that those are the people who, who are liars, the Bible says. According to First John, he goes, man, if you call yourself a follower, but you don't follow, you don't obey his commands, the Bible says you're a liar. We're going to push you back into this group. Man, I don't say this going, yeah, you know, I'm just judging everyone. Man, this breaks my heart. Man, because I, I'm just so concerned. I'm reading the Bible and going, wait a second. Someone who follows Jesus Christ, their life's supposed to be different. And we've got a lot of people going to churches all across America who say they follow Jesus Christ and their life's no different. And yet somehow they, they've been given some sort of security that, oh no, but you're going to heaven. Do you really get that from the Bible? And let's do, let's take it a step further. Haven't there been times, and this is when it really kills me, haven't there been times when you've been to funerals? And you think through the pattern of that person's life, the way they lived. And yet someone will get up and go, yeah, but I know he was a Christian because he prayed a prayer. And inside you just get sick. You'll never say it at the funeral because you're not allowed to. You've got to say nice things. And at a funeral, everyone goes to heaven, right? But you know when you're alone with God and when you read the word of God, you just go, oh, I don't know. Because the Bible says that there ought to be fruit, there ought to be change. But then there's those other services you go to when you go, man, I saw the way he lived his life. He really did follow God. I saw the way she lived her life. She really did follow God. It was awesome. If any of you guys saw the funeral of that SWAT officer, you know, and you go, okay, I think he's there. You know, walking around the street, sharing his faith. You just go, okay, that's the real thing. Let's go on. Next verse. Um, see, the fruit of the Spirit. See, the person who walks in the Spirit, the believer, he contrasts the two. The fruit of the Spirit, the person who's following God, walking in the Spirit. You know what you're going to see in his life, her life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. I like that phrase, self-control. You're, you're controlling your selfish desires, the things you want to do. You've got control over that. And what you're going to see in that person's life is you're going to see love. Joy, peace. When you start following the Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes into you and you're walking in the Spirit and you start doing, okay, what do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do in this situation? That old you that normally would have reacted with hatred, now that you've got a new master, it's different. You respond in love now. 
That old you that used to be stressed out by those situations, now you're realizing, wow, I have a peace about it. I'm actually okay. Man, that, that old me, man, that, that couldn't, you know, was always looking at circumstances and mood swings. It's like, now I've got this joy because I got this relationship with God. I've got this patience now, this kindness, the way I interact with people, this goodness. I'm actually doing what's right. Gentleness, self-control. When you look at that list, don't you want to be that? You do, right? Don't you want to go, man, I want to be known as a loving guy. I want to be, I want to be a joyful person. I want to have peace. I mean, I mean, flip it around. Do you really want to be hate, depression, stress, you know, easily angered, mean, bad, disloyal, harsh, just doing whatever you feel like doing, whatever feels good. You, you don't want that. You're looking at this and the Bible says this is what the Holy Spirit offers you. You walk in the spirit and these things will be you. And then uh, I got to jam through this. This last thing, verse 24. You know what? I, and, and we kind of rushed through that list, but I, I'm going to go back to that at some point. I'm going to go in detail on each of those because it's important. Those are the people God's called us to be. But in verse 24, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Two quick thoughts on this. First of all, remember earlier he just says, you know what, there's the spirit and then there's your flesh. And sometimes you don't do what you want to do because there's this conflict going on. And yet in this verse, he says, but you've crucified the sinful nature. Okay, so what does he mean by that? Because obviously he doesn't mean that now once I become a Christian or once the Holy Spirit comes into me that I have no longer any selfish desire or any sinful desire. But when he talks about crucifying the sinful nature with its passions and desires, it's this whole idea of we have a new master now. Okay, the Bible says the old you, you were just controlled by yourself, whatever you felt like doing. But then when the Holy Spirit came in, you, you became a slave, the Bible says. You've got this new leader, this new boss now that you're led by. You follow him, and, and in following him, man, you, you, you have to do what's right. When you sin, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave you alone. You feel this guilt, this pain, this awfulness, this lack of peace. See, when it says that you crucified that old you, you crucified him in the sense of his headship, the leadership. You gave that over at your, at your baptism, and you're saying, you know what, I'm dying to the old me, and I want Jesus to be my leader now. But, but the best illustration I could think of is, is, you know, of that flesh still being alive is, is like a chicken with its head cut off. I've never done it. It'd probably be fun. But it's that idea of, of uh, you know, from what I understand, some of you guys maybe have done it. You're sick. Um, but uh, <laughs> that, you know, when they butcher a chicken, they chop the head off. The body will just run around, right? It's just as weird. How many have seen that? Have any of you seen Really? Wow, that's so cool. You got to video it for me. Okay, but it's this idea of it's it's not it's not controlled. It's just like, you know, in the same way, it's that same picture. It's like you've cut off the headship of yourself and your sinful desires. But there's still this body that's out of control that that wants to do these different things. But now you've got a new master. 
you know, restraining and showing self-control and leading you in that way. And the last thing I want to say is this. Verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I love that phrase. Keep in step with the Spirit. That means you take a step because you think that's what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. And you're looking for direction and say, God, what do you want me to do next? No, I think he wants me to go talk to that person. Okay, now what? Okay, now I want you to go have lunch. Okay? You know, it's this whole idea of, okay, God, what, what would you want me to do next? And you take another step. You take another step. You take another step. And wherever the Holy Spirit is leading you, you go. See, here's a huge problem that paralyzes the Christian church. We say things like, I just want to know God's will for my life. I just want him to tell me, okay, where, what am I supposed to, how am I supposed to spend the next 30 years? I want to know God's will for my life. What we should be praying and what we should be saying is, I want to know God's will for this afternoon. God, church is almost over. Where do you want me to go next? Where's your Holy Spirit going to lead me next? And we sit here paralyzed going, well, he hasn't told me what he wants me to do for the next 20 years. That's not what the Bible... It is so rare in Scripture when God tells someone, here's your life's plan. It's more, Abraham, pick up. I'm going to take you somewhere. Okay. Okay, now you're going to go to this country. All right. It's kind of in the desert. Remember with the, with the cloud? And it's like, okay, where's the cloud going to lead us? Just don't worry. When it moves, you move. All right, we'll go here now. He told me to go here. That's the idea of walking in the Spirit. And I think some of us, we get so lost and paralyzed because we're thinking, first of all, God's going to change all these different desires in me so I don't have to walk in the Spirit. And then He's going to tell me my whole life plan so I just know it. I don't have to wonder anymore and I don't have to keep in step with the Spirit. That's not what Scripture says. I I want you to pray right now. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have you pray just silently and pray for God to direct you this afternoon. But here's the main thing I want you to pray. Pray that you'll surrender to wherever he wants you to go and do. Because you may pray right now and God may say, you know what? This relationship was strained. You've got to go fix it. Go get on the phone right after service. Or he may say, you know what, this neighbor is hurting. Why, why haven't you been talking to him or her lately? And you need to go over to that person's house. But don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about your life. This afternoon, I want you to pray about that. And maybe it's not even this afternoon. Maybe it's right now. Maybe you need prayer for something. Holy Spirit's going to lead you up to the prayer room to pray with someone. Maybe God's saying get baptized right now. Then come up and get baptized. But keep in step with the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Bow your heads right now and... And just pray and ask God to reveal to you what he'd want you to do this afternoon. And then ask for the strength to do it.